I'm Amber Cook. Welcome to my podcast, The Dragonfly Connection. In this third season, I've taken the theme from season one, which was called The Holistic Healing Connection, and merged it with a theme from season two of The Dragonfly Connection. So now, join me every Wednesday for open, honest, inspiring, and healing conversations with people who face their own health and life challenges, worked through them, and now are on a mission to help you live a healthier, more fulfilling life. My hope is that at each episode leaves you more empowered and inspired, no matter where you are on your life and healing journey. This episode is sponsored by HealingWays.com. Find a holistic wellness professional and resources to help you on your healing journey. That's HealingWaze.com. I think by now most of us have heard that we're in a mental health crisis, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. And I know I've mentioned this before as well. And I am so grateful to be able to connect with people like today's guest, Marina Yane Triner, and then share their wisdom with you during these trying times. Today, we're going to be talking about trauma and the body again, because honestly, there's always things that we can learn about it. We have all experienced some sort of trauma, and that trauma likes to hide out in our bodies. Marina calls herself the compassionate somatic coach. Her passion is helping people who are disengaged with life, burn out, and checked out by using body-based somatic approaches to support a connection back to the body, strengthen your connection with your instincts and your intuition, and flourish. This is similar to what my guest Laura Rao from episode three of the season titled Embodiment talked about, and also different. This work is so fascinating, multifaceted, and super important. As a trauma-informed coach, Marina works with clients to go deep into the roots of behavioral patterns that hold you back from experiencing life to its fullest. She helps you look at and explore childhood-rooted beliefs, emotions, behavioral patterns, and the unconscious so you can experience life with more joy and what she calls aliveness. And that is one of the best parts is hearing her describe what true aliveness is is and what it feels like. In this episode, Marina explains what trauma-informed means and how working with a professional who is trauma-informed is really important. She also explains why the pandemic is so triggering for so many of us. Along with some very helpful tips to help you on your overall healing journey, she shares a very easy yet powerful method to settle your nervous system next time you're feeling anxious. If you're looking for more, she has tons of free resources on her website. All the links to connect with Marina are in the show notes. I love talking with her and highly recommend working with her or any practitioner who specializes in somatic work, especially if you're finding that talk therapy or other methods just aren't getting to the heart of your struggles. If this all resonates with you, please share this with your people because it's the season of giving. And with that, I will say happy holidays and Merry Christmas. I hope that it's full of love, joy, and most importantly, healing. And just one more thing before we get started. This podcast is a passion project. I do love doing it, but it's a one-woman production crew from start to finish, a lot of work, and I don't make any money doing it. So if you like what you hear and you want to keep hearing it, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. And if you'd like to go a step further, check out my Patreon page. The link is at the bottom of the show notes, or you can search for the Dragonfly Connection on patreon.com. By becoming a patron, You get one-on-one access to an online community, access to me and some of my show guests, and an online self-improvement book club, and more. Thank you so much for all of your support. I really appreciate it, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. First of all, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I wanted to read your quote when I asked you what your philosophy was, because it's beautiful, and that will kind of set the stage of of who you are, what you do for people in the world. So you do get to listen to me read your words here for a second. So there are no bad humans in this world, only humans who have experienced trauma. I believe the universe is always nudging me along the right path to where I need to go. Healing is so freaking hard and scary and so, so worth it. Emotions and sensations. The body is our true guide to our freedom. We can't just do it through the mind. All of our self-sabotaging behaviors are simple coping mechanisms or adaptations. That's awesome. Okay. (laughs) There's so much to talk about in that. Um, But first, I like to kind of start off with some fluffy stuff. Where are you right now? 
I'm in San Diego. Okay. And I, I uh, noticed a little bit of an accent. So uh-huh. I doubt that you're from San Diego originally. Where were you born? Many, many accents, actually. Okay. I was born in Ukraine and then I moved to Israel when I was two. And then I moved here to San Diego when I was 12. And then I was back and forth. Oh, okay. So you still have family over in both of those other countries? Not in Ukraine, but okay. in Israel, yes. I'm assuming since you moved here when you were 12, you ha- didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. <laughs> and I was very rebellious. Believe me, I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> like not only to a new place, but a new country. Mm-hmm. And oh, I also left like it was like the last two months, I think, of seventh grade. Mm. So it was like, ah, yeah, it was, it was tough for sure. Yeah. Yeah. During that stage when friends are your life, you know, yeah. and you're just starting to really sink into that identity. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's got to be really hard. Yeah. I'm um, realizing it's a big part of trauma for me, for sure. Like, I hate starting new things. I hate it. But like, once I'm in it, it's super easy. Like I just go Uh and the same as moving now, like wherever you put me, I'm good. Like just put me there and let me stay, but don't move me again. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That can be super traumatic. I know I, I moved around a lot when my son was young and I, I think it did, you know, definitely contribute to um, a lot of things that he's going through. You know, it's one of those one of those things we get to, we get to, you know, face head on as adults and, and work through. And we're going to talk a lot about that. That's, you know, obviously a big focus is like you said, trauma, but I want to know what is something that a lot of people might not know about you. It can be just, you know, a tiny little minor detail, but I want to know. Mm, I like being silly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Um, but I'm also like way too serious. Like I literally read my grandma the other day was like oh my gosh can you just read a novel because <laughs> I don't I like <laughs> binge on self-development books and like even my friend the other day was like Marina what have you done for fun lately <laughs> oh that's awesome what a good friend though it's like you need those kind of friends in your life totally, totally. <laughs> kind yeah. of balance that out yeah well, that, yeah I mean that, I can kind of relate to that as well like I have a silly side but I I do find myself being way too serious sometimes (laughs) and the same I have to remind myself to read a novel I don't read you know just for fun novels Mm -hmm. very often either and it's like I have to force myself to do it and that's funny I say force myself but it is I have to go okay you have to do this you like it just try it yeah a fluffy novel and then you know in the middle of it you're like this was a really good idea. I need to do this yeah. more often. <laughs> do you know what I want to read? I want to read the same friend actually was like sending me screenshots of this book, Seth Rogen's book, because it's hilarious. I've heard that. Oh my gosh. I can't <laughs> wait to read that. Plus he like goes to Israel and makes up words in Hebrew and just like, <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to find it so funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And yeah. I think COVID has made me like extra serious because you know, we're indoors and working a lot. Yeah, definitely. I can feel that. All right. Let's talk about your work a little bit more. It is focused on helping other people move through and heal trauma. And we're going to talk deeper about trauma, but I want to know how you got into this work and I'm sure there's a backstory. So I want to hear a little bit about that. So I firstly, kind of the whole coaching world, I worked for 10 years as a dialogue facilitator with Israelis and Palestinians. So in that world, you know, there's obviously a lot of trauma, Mm -hmm. which I didn't even realize back then. Um, But it was really, you know, it was it was pretty impossible to uh, solve the conflict (laughs) in that room. And so what we actually did was, um, was more personal development and it was with teens. So that's kind of how I started. And I was doing that often in the summer. Like it wasn't like a full-time thing. And I just kept saying like, I want this to be my full-time thing. Like, I really want that. Um, and so then I started my first business when I came back from Jerusalem to San Diego Mm -hmm. and it was in nutrition And uh, I was super stuck, super stuck, like 
no marketing techniques or anything that I would learn would help me along. Mm -hmm. And so I realized, okay, there's something else here. And I started to search and search and I started to learn more about mindset and affirmations and meditate and all the mind things, which was Mm -hmm. really cool because I was like, okay, it's not the strategy. It's more um, my my attitude and my unconscious, then I realized it's actually unconscious, because no matter how many times I would say, like, I'm going to make money, and I'm, you know, my business is thriving, like my body was not believing right. it. Yeah, no matter how many times you look in the mirror and, and so, say that over and over, there's, there can still definitely be a block, which you found to be true. Exactly. Body. Yeah, I just felt still, you know, super stuck with that. And that's when I kind of found the somatic world because Mm -hmm. I had a coach who was actually a somatic therapist. And she told me, sit with yourself, like stop thinking, stop trying to figure it out, just sit with yourself. So that was like one piece. And then I was also um, reading The Universe Has Your Back and literally the chapter that was like, sit with yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because I was so mind based. (laughs) my whole life. And, and then I started to look for a therapist where there's no more talking because it was like, I have talked it out. Like I talked so much and I still love to talk. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, I need a therapist who works with the body. Does that exist? And I wasn't even sure that it, like, I thought I made it up, but uh-huh. I, I found it and it, it's there. So that's kind of how I got in, into the world of working with trauma and the body. Mm-hmm. So from your own experience, you, mm-hmm. you sought out some, some kind of somatic therapy. Uh, what were some of the therapies you used? I know that you, that I, that you did mention that you've tried EMDR, mm-hmm. which I started my EMDR journey in July and it has been mm-hmm. just life-changing for, for me. So besides EMDR, uh, what other things did you try on your healing journey? Um, oh my gosh, I've tried, you know, some of the more spiritual stuff, mm-hmm. Reiki, I've done a lot of meditation, which I still do. Yeah, EMDR, for some reason, didn't click with me. I mean, yeah. I'm totally not opposed to it, obviously, it just didn't. And it might have been even the therapist, like, who knows? Yeah. talk therapy, a lot of breath work. Um I feel like I've done it all, you know, a lot of a Byron Katie's work. I don't know if you're familiar. I've heard of her work, but I am not super familiar with it. So it's a kind of questioning your beliefs and your mind. Okay. Um, so that mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like there's nothing. Well, there's probably something I haven't tried. Yeah. I haven't tried like the world of psychedelics yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I think we, we need to, continue to try different things to see what resonates with us because there isn't, it's not a one size fits all for sure. Um, so you are now, uh, trauma informed where I want to, I'm going to just stop with that. Cause that's part of your title. And that's part of a lot of therapists and different practitioners have that in their title. What does trauma informed practitioner mean? So it's not just about the content. Mm-hmm. Like I listen to people's you know who they're being like their responses in their body um I'm doing a group program now and it's so beautiful because I said start to pay attention to yourself like do do am I triggering you do I make you angry great like pay attention because you know that's happened to me where a dear friend of mine and a coach like pissed me off so much but I was like it's not her, it's my trauma response, mm-hmm. right? So, so all those little moments in between the content, which is the mind, is where like all the magic happens. And we cannot just take in more and more and more information. We have to pay attention to our nervous system and what it feels like. So for example, with breath work, you know, I think it's beautiful for so many people. For me, it's almost like re-traumatizing, especially like very fast breath work mm-hmm. because my nervous system is already there. Like I'm, I tend towards anxiety. I'm already very high energy. And so if I start to breathe this fast and there is a lot of times in breath work classes, I've experienced the practitioners being like, push through it, keep going. And it's yeah. like, um, I'm going into shutdown. <laughs> you know, like I'm right there. I am yeah. about to shut down. 
And so, and I already have the tendency, and I think a lot of people who are traumatized have the tendency to push and force and like, we have to do it, right? And so I, I was doing that. But then when I started becoming trauma-informed, I was like, oh, this is not working for me. Like, I need to stop. I need mm-hmm. to pay attention to my body. I'm not in my body anymore. I'm somewhere else. I actually have left the room. And so yeah. like paying attention to that, paying attention to your nervous system, paying attention to your posture, how you're breathing, how you're sitting, like how you're being besides the words that you speak. Mm, nice. And so being trauma-informed, you know that not every method will work for everybody and that, yeah, it can actually re-traumatize. You know, listening to you talk about breath work, I'm glad that you brought that up because I have experienced exactly what you're talking about during sessions of breath work. It's almost more anxiety provoking for me. Mm. And I'm like this, they say like, this isn't working. This is actually making it worse. And not in a way like, you know, I've experienced that with other types of therapies where it can be really hard and bring up stuff. What you're saying about the breath work is exactly what I experienced. I'm like, ah, I'm going to freak out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's- yeah, it's not it, like, that's exactly, I love that you're saying this because I was talking about this on a podcast yesterday of like the balance between pushing a little, because it's not mm-hmm. that we want to be like comfortable all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm great. You know, everything's good. Um, so like pushing a little so that mm-hmm. we do grow, but if we push hard, that's where we're going to freeze and shut down and overwhelm. And there's no growth there. Like it is not possible to grow from that space. We can only grow when our nervous system is open and connected, which is what in polyvagal they call dorsal, uh, not dorsal, sorry, ventral vagal. Um, And so that's like the open connected state where you're, you know, up for social connection and, and all of that. So that it is a delicate balance and it's paying attention to your nervous system all the time. Like in this moment, do I feel like I'm growing or do I feel like I'm just closing in and clamping down and shutting down? Mm -hmm. And if you are, that's where you got to stop. And I had to learn that, you know, because my tendency was like, no, we push more and it, it doesn't work. Right. Right. Yeah. I have that tendency too. I have learned you're right. It does not work. Um, and so you're a somatic coach and that, um, you know, I was a body worker for 18 years. I've been a Reiki practitioner for about the same amount of time. Um, so I can understand what that means, but what is a somatic coach? It's someone who pays attention again to Mm -hmm. the sensations in your body. So a lot of the work that I do with people is not just them talking, but it's them almost, it's like almost like a meditation, the way that I do things. It's like inner focus. So focusing on your sensations, what's going on in your body as you're talking, are you going away as we start talking about a triggering topic, you know, and how are you with your triggers? Like, are you able to use your triggers to grow? And so all of that work is through the breath like is your breath getting shallow what's happening to your tone of voice Mm. what's happening to your expressions on your face how are you sitting you know and what are you doing with your hands like are you armoring up yourself are your shoulders up you know what's going on and what an internal sensation which is huge the felt sense so do you have constriction do you have openness and it's I have these conversations with people all the time of well is reiki somatic like someone literally asked me today and (laughs) it's so fascinating because i used to do very similar things before and after discovering like what somatic work is like Mm -hmm. in the body but i do them differently now so just as an example i have a lot of sexual trauma and i was doing like a lot of work where my partner would like with gentle touch with my partner Mm -hmm. um, in the past, but I was totally disconnected from my body. So it was like, Oh yeah, it feels nice when you put your hand here, you know, (laughs) but like, I didn't actually feel it. Like I was disconnected. I was in my head the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so after discovering somatic work, I would actually tune into what's happening in my stomach and my chest. And, and it's challenging because Mm -hmm. if you have trauma, all of it comes up 
through the body way more than the mind. And it's, it can be challenging to face those sensations. And so that's why a protective mechanism we have is to go into the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized, you know, through my recent um, healing adventure (laughs) that I was doing that, you know, even though I was a body worker for so long and I saw I saw trauma release from just, you know, massage and different, different form craniosacral therapy. Like I saw this in other people and I knew, and I know it to be true that the body does hold on to it. I was denying it for myself. Like I had totally disassociated and I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it. You know, it was, it was quite an eye opener, definitely an, a little bit of an ego blow <laughs> for sure, but so helpful you know, I'd gone to talk therapy, I don't know, for 25, 30 years and it's great. And I, I still totally believe in it and will continue to go, but the stuff that's been happening since I've been processing the stuff in the body is so profound, so profound. So I just want to like, thank you for talking about this more and bringing this out into the world, because it is something that even those of us in the industry sometimes, you know, can happen to us and we don't even know what's happening. It's so, so true. And I was a coach, you know, before I discovered somatic work. And interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't trauma informed, even though I've had a lot of trauma and I was aware that I've had a lot of trauma and mm-hmm. every single human goes through trauma. Like people think it's this intense thing you know but every single one of us has trauma and it impacts the way that we're being with our partners with kids with work like every area of your life and when you get stuck and you tell yourself oh I'm just gonna you know change my mindset and stagnations (laughs) stuckness does not move through the mind because stuckness is in your body so you gotta and yeah I love that you're saying about dissociation because it's it's a protective mechanism and mm-hmm. sometimes it's what we need. And I love not judging those protective mechanisms and yeah. actually teaching my clients how wise our body is that it does that. Because sometimes, I mean, trauma is overwhelmed. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're so overwhelmed, we just, we got to go into the mind sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. So tell me um, what your definition of trauma actually is, because, mm-hmm. you know, it is a huge word that's up for everybody right now, but I think it can still be confusing. So what do you say trauma is? To me, it's an overwhelming event. Mm-hmm. So any event that happens where you feel like I don't have the strategies to cope. And so I either freeze or I run, you know, fight, flight, freeze, all those responses usually freeze with, um, with overwhelming trauma, because when we fight, um, that energy, like when you think about it, when you're fighting, or when you're running, you're discharging energy. And that's literally why a lot of people don't get PTSD if they, you know, ran away or fought. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you freeze, which is what animals do in the wild, actually, in order not to feel pain before, you know, when they're caught by a predator, they freeze, they numb themselves so that they don't feel pain of being eaten. Mm -hmm. And so it's very um, smart. (laughs) And, and that's what happens when we have an overwhelming event um, at any age. But when we're younger, it's much easier to be overwhelmed because we're more vulnerable. We don't have as many tools, you know, for babies that can't even talk. So say, no, that doesn't work for me. Um, So for babies, even more vulnerable, but even for kids and teenagers, we have less tools. We're more dependent on our caregivers. So trauma's impact is bigger, Mm -hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter what age you are. If something happens where you feel Um, I don't have the tools to cope. And so usually you freeze. It's trauma. Yeah. Well, and like you said, at 12, you were forced basically as many, you know, as many kids are, I know that sounds severe, but it's what happens. You Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of say in the matter usually to move and to uproot your life and everything, you know, and that can be very traumatic. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there's a lot of misconception and stigma around that word that it has to be, you know, something that somebody experiences in war or, you know, or abuse. Uh, so what are some common events that you see 
that that do show up as trauma in people's lives? Oh my gosh, there are so many. So I'll try to yeah. draw like examples from from clients and even from myself. Moving for sure. Mm-hmm. When your caregivers don't haven't dealt with their own trauma, that often leaves kids with trauma because and even with happiness, it's amazing. But even when you express happiness and your caregivers are triggered by that, and this is all subconscious, right? They're not like, oh, I I want my daughter to be sad. They want you to be happy, but they cannot contain it or they're not happy in their own life. It's triggering to see that as a mirror in front of them. And so they don't really give you space for your own happiness and that can shut you down. Mm-hmm. Um, or any expression of emotion. Like for example, I grew up in a Ukrainian family. And so emotion was not a thing. Like my mom literally told me that people who were sad, you know, were crazy and people who were happy were crazy. It's like both. So just flat, flat, no emotion. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty amazing. So expressing emotion, not having your needs met in whatever way, like whether it's physical needs or emotional needs or, you know, getting love and hugs and attention from your parents or being validated. Like if you, if you're sad um, and your parents are like, okay, well move on, like keep going, not being validated for how you feel and what you need. Those are all pretty common ones. And then of course there's, you know, alcoholic parents or abuse or neglect or any of those types of things. Yeah. And so kind of your specialty or your expertise is going to be with people that have had childhood trauma. You know, I never defined it that way, Uh but, but you're kind of right because I love digging. Like Mm -hmm. I am like a professional digger. And when people are like, you know, I'm stuck with this and this. Okay. And I think it's because whatever happened like this week and I'm like, mm-hmm. no. Um, <laughs> okay. Right. So let's dig all the way back, you know, and we always go to childhood and it's either things that they would see observe in their caregivers doing. So they're repeating that same thing mm-hmm. or the, the relationship dynamics. Like if whatever thing is like left over from our first family, as we call it, like our parents and mm-hmm. our, you know, our caregivers or kids or siblings um, that we didn't work through, that energy starts to leak everywhere. So I've had clients who like want to cultivate meaningful friendships, but they keep attracting narcissist friends. And it's like, oh, you're trying to work out the relationship with your mom because you haven't worked out that dynamic. You haven't processed it. Mm-hmm. So we always, always go back to childhood and even generationally. Yes. I'm learning a lot about that. I actually have had some ancestral healing work done with a few colleagues and it's, yeah, it's amazing how much trauma is in there that, you know, you didn't actually physically experience yourself, but it is generational and it's yeah. Through your ancestors. I forgot if you had Mark Wallen on your podcast. Mm -mm. (gasps) no oh my god he's amazing (laughs) okay I'll look him up thank you for that yeah you know and back to the childhood thing ancestral and then you know I'm reading uh the body keeps the score Mm -hmm. and it says things that happened before age two Mm -hmm. is that correct like are so powerful usually in not not a very good way (laughs) yeah and again it's because we're so vulnerable like when you think about it a huge um, part of trauma is the helplessness mm. so when you feel helpless, because if you feel like this is a bad thing that's happening, but okay, I know what to do. Like yeah. it's fine. It usually doesn't have long lasting effects. You might be upset for a while, but like not to the point where it's going to affect like your relationship with money and relationship with parents and all these things. Um, and so when we're that young, like, we're so vulnerable to everything, you know, Um, even like your parents leaving for a week or like little things that you would never think um, that that has a huge impact. Well, and I love how you said helplessness, because I wanted to ask about this, because it was like a light bulb moment for me, the pandemic era that we're in, you know, that must be why we're all I mean, there's so many people that have experienced our experience trauma because of the helplessness. Yeah. feeling of it. Right. 
Yeah, it's triggering old memories mm-hmm. that maybe you can't explain. Like if I ask you, oh, why, why do you feel so sad? Or like, what's going on? Because memory, there's explicit and implicit memory. So there's memory in the mind where you can like recall, yeah, I went there and this is what happened. But that's not the most powerful memory because we don't remember things again before we were two, but our body does. And our body even remembers crazy enough um, you probably know this but for your listeners like the the memories of your mom's childhood the memories of your grandma and your great grandma because yeah. your mom was born with you like the eggs that made you inside mm-hmm. of her so it's like it just goes generations back and so our bodies remember they constrict Sometimes it comes with images and things, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just that stuckness feeling, the constriction, the heaviness, the, oh my gosh, you know, panic attacks, anxiety, all of that. And I know a lot of people are dealing with all of that right now. Yeah. Like you said, goes back to uh, that feeling of helplessness. Yeah. Bringing up the old stuff. I mean, that's exactly what happened to me this in within this year, you know, after a year and some months of through the whole of 2020 and then it was not until June of 2021 that, you know, I was trying to make up all these reasons. It's just hard, you know, the school's being closed, all the things, it's just hard. But like you said, it was actually, I feel like for me personally, it was like the feeling, the stuff was just brewing. Like it's more than, it's more than what's happening right now. Like you said, when you ask somebody what's going on, they're like something that happened to me last week. And so I kept saying, well, it's because of everything that's happening right now. And I'm falling apart because of everything right now. That was not really the case for all of us. It's bringing up so much. You mentioned PTSD just for a second. And so I want to ask you about that because I know that not everybody develops PTSD and it is, it's something though, you know, it's a term people throw around all the time about silly things. Even, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and um, it's also very misunderstood. So if someone experiences trauma, it doesn't necessarily develop into PTSD, correct? So I will preface this by saying like, I'm not a therapist, so I'm going to speak from kind of my personal experience Mm because I had PTSD and just intuitively, like, it's so interesting because I have, I think we all have so much intuition about trauma, but now as I'm actually studying this stuff with you know, therapists and and researchers, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, my intuition makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would say correct. And, and there are certain like aspects of our experience that kind of lead to developing PTSD. Um, And I would say, and I might be wrong, but from again, personal experience, Mm -hmm. what I see in clients and things like that, it's really like those measures of feeling so hopeless and helpless. And, you know, Peter Levine, who's the founder of Somatic Experiencing, Mm -hmm. he gives like such a brilliant example of these kids that were, um, this is a true story, they were trapped um, underground by someone and a bunch of them were frozen, like they were just sitting there in shock, not like frozen cold, but like shocked. And one of them actually started looking for ways to get out. So he started digging and, you know, whatever it may be. And then they kind of researched, like studied these kids later on. And it turned out that the only kid without PTSD was that kid that was digging. Ah, interesting. So like he felt like he could do something about it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, you know, comparing myself today, I almost feel like I don't have, I feel in a way that like the PTSD is not so helpful because it's just like the symptoms right so my symptoms in the past would be to freeze to feel that constriction Mm -hmm. to have some memories to have just like overthinking nonstop, and that has gotten so much better but it shows up it still shows up sometimes and I think it shows up for every single one of us yeah so I don't the the reason I don't love it is because it's syndrome right like post-traumatic stress disorder sorry yeah disorder yeah and I'm like this is not a disorder this is this makes sense like if you go through something intense Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. your body will develop a mechanism to get you through it by disconnecting and, and um, shutting down. And then that shutdown, if you don't do anything about it, of course, you don't process it, it's going to come into your life, and it's going to be present, and you're going to experience it. So makes perfect sense, genius mechanism, like, let's do the work to lessen that. Yeah, the body's always trying to protect us. And sometimes it overcompensates. Exactly. (laughs) And then we don't really, we haven't been given the tools to really know what to do about some of the things we're feeling. You mentioned the freeze. That's definitely, like you said, a common symptom, but what are other signs that people should be aware of their, that trauma is affecting their lives and their health? Stuckness is huge. So if you feel like you know, it's beautiful because as humans, we can have what we want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, that's the thing. We can have what we want. We can have the business we want, the relationships we want, or the work, the career, um, finances, all these things. And if you are just doing everything you possibly can um, to get something and it's not happening, most likely there's trauma. Mm -hmm. So stuckness, that feeling of stuckness, all overwhelmed, you know, really big overwhelm. And yeah, the freeze response is this shutdown or numbness, like a sense of not being connected to your body, not mm-hmm. feeling your sensations, and then compensating for it by overeating or um, different little addictions, right? We all have them <laughs> being on social media to numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anxiety and depression. And that quote that you read in the beginning, like, all of these little self-sabotage things that we do that we're like, why did I do that? Or why am I procrastinating? Or why am I being this in this way? Uh, Most likely there's trauma that drives these responses. Mm -hmm. And then one of the biggest ones that is really helpful in my opinion is if you look back at your response or more reaction to something Mm -hmm. like a day later or a week later and you're like, whoa, like that was a lot. (laughs) if you if I'm comparing to like the situation like that was intense my reaction most likely there's trauma underlying Mm. that yeah that's been a huge aha for myself lately I've had to look back at wow okay (laughs) yeah I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that okay Amber chill (laughs) yeah like why am I screaming at my child and wanting to strangle him Oh, like he's not actually that annoying, right? Well, or my husband, I mean, poor guy, like he has been such a support during this healing journey and stuck with me during times like that. Cause there, yeah, there's times I'm like, I've had to apologize a lot. Well, that's beautiful <laughs> that you can apologize because I'm really learning that that's like been yeah. my goal this year nice. to, to be able to just apologize and to Cause that's also a big part of trauma. Like we don't, we are on the defensive or even right. offensive, right? Like, I don't want to apologize. There's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, you know, I think understanding that there is a vulnerable hurt child behind these behaviors mm-hmm. brings so much self-compassion and without self-compassion, we get even more stuck. So that's why it's really helpful to know like, oh, that's not me. That's the seven-year-old me. Like that's not my adult self that just yelled like that. Yeah. (laughs) I had that little tantrum over there. (laughs) Yeah. It it is, it is the challenge. It's something that's hard for, for many of us. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about self-compassion because you, like you just said, it's really important to the healing journey as well as recognizing the trauma that's the first step, right? Self-awareness always is kind of the first step, but um, self-compassion, why is it so hard for so many of us? Well, I think society is wired, like to be fair to ourselves, society Mm -hmm. is very much wired against it. It's more like, again, like push, force yourself, like, you know, do, do the hard things, make yourself do it, blah, blah, blah. Um, The way that we grew up, you know, I grew up in a very, very controlling and critical world. And so that, um, yeah. yeah. And there's also this kind of belief or understanding that if you push hard and if you're mean to yourself, like motivation through meanness in your mind, then you're going to succeed more. Ah, yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that in our society for sure. Mm -hmm. And that is very far from the truth, because if you actually analyze it, and I've done this with clients, I've mapped out their whole cycle of like, something doesn't go as I planned. So then I'm an asshole to myself. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is pity party. Like we get stuck in the pity party and we get stuck for way longer um, in there rather than Mm -hmm. being like, "Hmm, I messed up probably could have done better I will next time here's what I can learn and that is so hard when your nervous system is dysregulated that is so those words like no because your whole system's like alert alert everything is a mess like I'm dying so it's kind of like you're swimming upstream if your nervous system is is so dysregulated and that's something that you help people with is getting that nervous system regulated again absolutely I think that nervous system regulation is kind of a prerequisite. And the Mm -hmm. cool thing is that we do it through experiences. So if a client tells me like, I'm stuck here and here, okay, let's work on that instance. But as we're working on it, we're also regulating work. And regulation just means for those of you who are like, what is she talking about? Um, Is basically, there's something called the window of tolerance, which is that window of when you know, you're present, you're curious, you're open for social engagement, um, really nice. Mm-hmm. Then above that window is anxiety, fight or flight, you're screaming at your kids, basically, <laughs> and then, or your partner. And yeah. then under the window, which I've done so many times, mm-hmm. under, <laughs> under the window is the shutdown or freeze when you're like, dissociated, disconnected, you're not connected to yourself, etc. Mm-hmm. And we cannot do healing from above or below. We can heal and transform and grow from the window of tolerance. And so we're teaching our system and we're always going to go it's it's you know it's like that bell curve or you know and mm-hmm. forever. Like it's not just like one bell curve but it's bell curve forever. So we're always kind of going up and down. But for people who have not processed their trauma at all, um, it's very jagged and sharp ups and downs. And we spend more time above or below the window of tolerance. For people who start to regulate, it's like going, you know, gently, you know, I'm a little bit pissed off right now. Okay, like, what can I do? Okay, I'm, I'm better. I'm calm. And so we're always like, you know, it's like that. It's, it's very gentle. Nice. So we need to be more compassionate to ourselves, but it sounds like there needs to be a few things in place to, you know, make that possible. But right now for somebody listening that is going, oh crap, I have a lot of unresolved trauma or even just a little bit like, okay, like this resonates. I'm getting it. What is something that someone could do? Like as soon as they're done listening this week to start addressing what's going on? Yeah. So awareness, like you said, that's Mm -hmm. always first step. So really noticing where you are, your nervous system is shut down or in fight or flight and just noticing like something I love to do. I I'm much more of the fight or flight Mm -hmm. (laughs) person. That's like what I call my home away from home. Um, Deb Dana uses that language because our home is to be like calm and present. My home away from home is the anxious, you know, oh my God, I'm going to die. What's going to happen? Yeah, same. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I, start, I start having those cycles in my head, like I'm noticing, oh, I'm totally in my head. I've left my body. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm spinning out. I just stop and I tell myself I'm in my trauma response right now. Oh, that's compassion right there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's, so. And it's like, oh, okay, but that's what's happening. There's, there's no war. Nothing's wrong. I'm in my trauma response. So that means I see the world. I have glasses. They're very black and they are like danger, danger. Everything's danger. Yeah. And so that's a big piece of awareness. And then noticing like your nervous system, your heart rate is probably up or very much down if you're on the other side of the spectrum. So starting to notice your nervous system state and how that is a filter for reality because let's say like I've done this with so many clients but you know one of my clients walks into the house it's a mess if she is regulated she's like oh this kind of sucks like we need to do something all right 
if she is anxious, ah, look at this, this is a mess, right? And it's the same situation, but different nervous system state internally. Mm -hmm. It's nothing external. So that's pretty cool because we have that control in a way. Yeah. Um, so that's the awareness piece. Then really um, connecting to your body mm-hmm. is huge. And how I recommend doing that is just sitting with yourself. It can be super uncomfortable in the beginning. Super uncomfortable could even be triggering, but you know, don't go to a point where you're so triggered that again, you leave or you just connect, just start little by little. And something I love or recommend to do is like, look at something really pleasant around you or think of a pleasant memory and then just notice your body, like notice what happens in your chest, in your throat, in your belly, just start to notice. Um, I, I used to do that for hours at some point and just sit with myself. So those are like really awesome starting points. Nice. Thank you. Is that part of uh, the seven embodiment practices that that you give out? It looks like you have a free resource available. It's called Alive and Aligned and it's seven days of embodiment practices support you in your trauma informed personal transformation journey. So you listed a, a couple of things there. Is there, is there another step in there that you might want to give us a little sneak peek to? Yeah, there's a tool that I really love that's very simple by Peter Levine, which is the VU, which I'm sure you'll recognize because it's like a, it's chanting or, you know, like it's, it, it does come from ancient traditions as well, but he's just made it more like sciencey. Um, but it's, it's really helpful, I find. And again, with all the practices you test, it's like an experiment and it's fun and you test like, does this work for me or not? Mm-hmm. Um, so the VU is when you are anxious, usually very, very helpful to just settle everything. And you just make the sound VOO, like for as long as you're, you can, and then you're out of breath. And the key is a very deep sound that's coming from your belly. So you like literally feel that vibration in your belly, which by the way, is amazing for chronic conditions, digestive issues, um, very, very linked digestive issues and trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally forgot actually to mention that all the physical pain, chronic pain. (laughs) Yeah. In a minute, we'll talk about that. We'll add that at the end real quick. So, so you're, so you're sitting in a relaxed state, chanting VU. Yeah, you just go. Yeah, that feels good. (laughs) And you just keep and like in your belly and you just keep going and you might want to do it a couple of times, then you know, a breath will come in after you're done and then another one. And then just notice your body like notice what's what's there for me usually it's just like the sense of settling and groundedness and it's super nice. Yeah, that is nice. I'm thinking I'm gonna replace the ohm with voo. Yeah, it, just, it, it does fun. feel deeper. Mm-hmm. I definitely am somebody that, it, you know, has all kinds of dig- fun digestive issues due to probably my trauma. So yeah, before we we're getting ready to wrap it up, but I, yeah, I list some of the physical stuff. Cause that's huge. Mm-hmm. And even in the medical community, it's not often tied to trauma. I mean, I'm having to learn this from myself. I've gone to countless doctors for countless amounts of things. And now through my therapist realizing that the root is trauma. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It was actually really cool. I went to a naturopath and they, I mean, I told them I've had digestive issues literally since birth. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're like, we're going to work on it. I'm like, no, good luck. (laughs) It's not going to work, but it has been working. It has been working. Okay, good. Um, and they actually gave me vagus nerve exercises, which I was like, this is so cool. I wish every doctor was this informed yeah but yeah you know chronic pain chronic illnesses fibromyalgia all those like mystery pains where you know you didn't break anything like you weren't in an accident nothing happened but there's just like this pain and you don't understand um I have SIBO uh, my mom has IBS it's like and it's funny because my whole family literally has digestive issues mm-hmm. not a Mine single too. member has escaped <laughs> the the colon stuff right um yeah mine too crazy. <laughs> yeah and so if if you have chronic pain of any kind go look into that like go look into the vagus nerve which is um the longest i think it is yes the longest cranial nerve in the body mm-hmm. and it carries 80 percent of information from your kidneys and digestion and gut into your brain not the other way around 
So basically, you know, ow, in my belly, brain says I'm in danger and we're like in a loop forever and ever. Yeah. And so Peter Levine has helped so many people with fibromyalgia, for example, which is like this mystery illness. Um, and it's really cool. And I mean, for me, it was like severe PMS um, mm -hmm. was so severe and that has resolved, which is like amazing. Um, but also digestive issues, greatly better, but you know, still working on it. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff. Has yeah. Well, and I'm even learning, you know, I struggle with uh, weight and thyroid. Mm. Thyroid is really, you know, I have, I was diagnosed with hypothyroid six years ago ish. And it was kind of like my thyroid just broke <laughs> is the way that I felt. And it was after a very long extended period of trauma that I was going mm. through at the end of it for, you know, just broke. Basically I gained 30 pounds in a month and wow. nothing that I have been able to do since has ever helped that. And now I'm realizing that weight gain and the ability to not be able to lose it, no matter what, you know, I have a healthy lifestyle, I exercise, I eat all the stuff can be a physical yeah. symptom of trauma, unresolved trauma, that vagus nerve. Cause you know, digestion, all of it, hunger signals, right? Totally. Totally. And it's all those mystery things, right? Like mystery yeah. stuckness. It's funny. I, I was told also that I have a thyroid issue by the naturopath, but it's been resolving, which is really exciting. Same um, with so mine since yeah. working on my trauma. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you too. That is exciting for both of us. Yeah. And so freeing. So is your work done in person, online, just strictly online? Yep. Awesome. Okay. And is there anything else you'd like my listeners to know about you? Of course, I'm going to you know, give them all the ways they can connect to you. I highly recommend following you on Instagram. You post all kinds of amazing graphics and, and information on there, but yeah. Anything else you want anyone to know? Just if, if anyone has questions or anything can always feel free to reach out and yeah, just check out all the posts and just know that it's exciting. I know it can feel very, I love that stuck. You know, it can feel very intimidating and exhausting. And also like, it's so exciting when you start to do this work, it's still hard. Like it's still hard work. There's moments that are like, ah, um, but then things start to click. And it's like the greatest thing that I've gained is just feeling alive, like mm. feeling more alive. That's why I call everything alive. Like alive is everywhere in my things because that's literally how I feel just like even walking on the street and like seeing trees and it's like you actually feel your body you feel connected you feel in the moment and it's it's the most amazing thing mm, I love that more alive yes and speaking of definitely anyone listening should pick up that free resource that I just did so I am going to start with Vu and then I'm going to see what else you're going to be putting in my inbox um, yeah. for that. So <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here and for doing this work in the world. It's highly needed. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Our stories may be different, but we all have one thing in common. We're all trying to figure out how to navigate life on this planet, and none of us have it completely figured out. No matter what you're going through in your life, just know that you are never really alone. Come back every Wednesday for more inspiration and connection, and follow me on Instagram at the Dragonfly Mama so we can stay in touch between episodes.